0: So a priest is walking through the jungle when he comes upon a very hungry lion. And just as the lion goes to lunges and begins to attack, the priest crosses himself and he says, Lord, if you can hear me, please instill the Holy Spirit in this lion's heart. At which point the lion stops midair in his lunge crosses his paws and says, Lord, I want to thank you for the meal for which you are about to provide. <laughs> but if it was a good, what he really should have said is, Baruch atah Adonai, she'akol varro, right? Because then he would have been speaking in tongues and it really would have been the Holy Spirit moving. The Holy Spirit is misunderstood. We've spent a lot of time talking about that over these last few weeks. And, uh, you know maybe a bit of unsettling journey for some i don't know but we've talked about what the spirit is not we've talked about what we don't do with the spirit we talked about you know what, what wh- wh- how the spirit does not work but that's not an answer that doesn't that doesn't tell us something good something that we need to know something for our journey so by way of conclusion i hope to make that crystal clear today in saying what is the holy spirit How do we understand the purpose? What are those gifts? How do they work in proper, non-manipulative, man-made, look-at-me ways, which probably all of us have experienced at some time in our lives? How do we harvest the all-important fruit of the Spirit? In summary, what do we do with the Spirit? Actually, that's not the best way to phrase it. What is the best way to phrase it? what does the spirit do with us? What are we open to? Well, it's in the book. It's in the book. John Stott once said, the will of God for the people is in the word of God. And that's sort of true. It is. But it also leaves a lot of room for interpretation because how you read what's in the book determines what you tell everybody. So unfortunately, it's not quite as cut and dried. And that's going to continue today because what you're going to hear is a Messianic rabbi's interpretation of the Holy Spirit, which I like to believe lines up fairly well with uh, our rabbi, Yeshua, and what he told, and, and what he told his, his uh, greatest apostle, right, Paul who had a lot to say about the Spirit and what was written down in the apostolic scriptures by those who wrote them down, which was intended to empower all of us in the future with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, that includes you and me. And it's not even that complicated, really. So here's here's your permission. If you're looking today for me to give you some type of deep, life-changing, mystical, amazing interpretation of the Holy Spirit, I give you permission now to be disappointed. Because first of all, let's cut to the easy stuff. The Holy Spirit is power for a purpose. Yeshua made that very clear to us or to the disciples who made it clear to us. The Ruach HaKodesh testifies about Yeshua. We know that from the scripture. When the helper, the comforter, the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify about me. So we know that we also know that the Holy Spirit gives us encouragement. It even gives us words when we might not have the words when we find ourselves in situations like this. God forbid. Now, when they bring you before the synagogues and the officials of the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you're to say for what will the Holy Spirit do? It will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. You might receive a miraculous indwelling of the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose. We know that we have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but maybe, maybe some supercharged purpose. Ask Bezazel, who built the tabernacle. Ask Moses, who had so much of it that God could take some off of him and give it to the elders. Ask David, ask Saul ask so many people in the Bible. Joshua, the elders. Listen, you might even get to transport and teleport across the universe by the Holy Spirit. Philip did it, right? But here's the meat of the matter. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I don't know a messianic Jew, Gentile, alien. I don't know any messianic who doesn't love that verse. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Who said it? Yeshua said it. Why is it so important? Because basically it's our justification that followers of Yeshua should be keeping Torah, right? If you love me, you'll do what I said. And what did I say? Nothing but what the Father said to me and what he's spoken through me. And what did the Father say? Torah, his instruction, his way to live life, his way to be happy, his way to have a good relationship. That's what Yeshua taught. He never stopped. He never canceled it. He never fulfilled it. If fulfilled it means stopping it. And for Messianic types, we love that. If you love me, you'll follow Torah. If you're my disciple, you'll follow God's instruction. But what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? How is that the meat of the matter? Well, that's not that miraculous. But you have to keep reading. Sometimes that's what you've got to do in the Bible. You can't just pick the one you like and stop. You've got to keep reading. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Verse 15, verse 16, which comes immediately after 15 <laughs> says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Let's keep reading verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while remaining with you. What things? How to live life, how to please God, how to love him, how to love one another, how to live according to the Torah. That's what Yeshua taught you. These things I've spoken to you while remaining with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. Have you made the connection? I'll help. There's a primary purpose for which Yeshua said the Holy Spirit would be given to us. Did you pick up on what it was from those two connected sets of scriptures? Here it is. To lead you in obedience to Yeshua's teaching, which is God's word, which is the Torah. Not to like look and live and act like a Jew. That's not what that means. It means for everybody, the Holy Spirit is to guide you in understanding of God's Word. Now, the Torah is very Jewish. It wasn't really only, didn't have to be that way, but that's the way it's gotten. So, yeah, it looks pretty Jewish, but it's a huge purpose to guide you in following God's Word. That's the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit. And what is conspicuously absent here in Yeshua's description of the Holy Spirit is to perform miracles, to prophesy, to speak in tongues, to give words of knowledge. Isn't that the evidence of the Spirit that manifests when one receives the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that what we're supposed to be looking for? Why doesn't he say that? Why doesn't he say the Holy Spirit's going to let you do these things? or we know that he does say we're going to do miracles but but why doesn't he make a big deal about that because the spirit starts somewhere else the spirit is going to start by teaching you to obey well that's not that's that's boring that's not that's not going to fill up auditoriums with people who come to be healed and pushed down on the ground <laughs> Well that depends on how you look at it, actually. I want to read you something sort of long from Ezekiel 36. You know, Ezekiel 36 is uh, Ezekiel's version of the new covenant, the actual Brit Chadashah. The apostolic scriptures are not the new covenant of the Brit Chadashah, but this is Ezekiel 36. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I show myself holy among you in their sight. He's speaking to Israel, obviously. And what's he saying? You have done a horrible job of representing my name. It's called Chilul Hashem. Chilul, you have desecrated my name among the nations. But don't worry about it, God says. I'm going to fix it. But how am I going to fix it? He goes on to say, For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands. I'll bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, and here it is, brothers and sisters, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and bring it about that you will speak in tongues, perform miracles, give words of knowledge. No. I will put my spirit within you and bring it about that you walk in my statutes and carefully Obey and follow my ordinances. Is it surprising that what Yeshua said in John 14 about the Holy Spirit would echo the new covenant that Ezekiel and Jeremiah talk about? Is that surprising? I don't think it is. I do think it's stupendously exciting that Yeshua brought this inaugurated at his Seder the new covenant and then began to do it by giving us the Ruach HaKodesh which would do something primarily to keep us connected to God I think that is exciting I also think healings and really dramatic moves of the spirit are but this one happens every single day if you're listening for it Through Yeshua, now listen to this. Through Yeshua, think of that Ezekiel scripture I just read you. Through Yeshua, his, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth placed within us, just as the new covenant scriptures of Ezekiel and Jeremiah promise us, through this very same Spirit, we are now walking out God's ways. And these ways, they reflect His Torah. They reflect that, complete with Yeshua's fulfilling of said Torah in his messianic messiah-like way where he came and illuminated the scriptures of Torah. And guess what? His Torah is going to be the Torah that we're following in the kingdom. The Torah of Mashiach is the Torah of the Father and the Torah of the kingdom. So we're getting this. It's like, and the Holy Spirit is guiding us in that. Paul said it this way in Galatians 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What are desires of the flesh? They're sins. They are the opposite of Torah. He says, walk in the spirit and you won't gratify those things for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What does your flesh want to do? Things that are opposed to God quite often. The Holy Spirit, in turn, is designed to keep you from doing that. Is this brain science? No, it's like I said, it's in the book. You just got to read it. And what happens as one continues to walk by the Spirit, as Paul describes it? The very thing that Yeshua wanted us to do, the things he taught us to do, you know what it is? He, you begin to produce fruit in the world. You begin to produce fruit Sadly, much of the understanding of the Spirit and this sort of infatuation or preoccupation with the gift has produced fruits and nuts and wackos and crazies. That's not the fruit I'm talking about. Fullness of the Spirit in a believer is is most powerfully demonstrated in their fruit But the fruit of the Spirit is, what is it? Who knows the song? You know that little, I don't, because I didn't go to Sunday school when I was little, but I know it exists. That's it. Thank you, Lexi. There you go. Where, Where do we find the instruction for how to do all those things? Say it again. Where do we learn about those things? In God's instruction in the Torah, that's what he tells us. All of the ways in which we should live according to those concepts. Right? That's where we find those answers. But they're also found in Yeshua's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and in all of his parables about forgiving and being faithful and being generous They're all the fruits of the Spirit. That's what he was talking about. Did you know that? Of course you did. I would would suggest to you that these fruits are actually the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is that radical? I don't know. These fruits. But you know what? Speaking of that, speaking of that, because I haven't spoken of it at all. I just want to make this quick touch on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which uh, uh, I I witnessed a miracle. I got something from baptistpress.com that I could bring into this sermon. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was a Baptist once. First off, let's, let's clear this. I'm not here to suggest that anyone who has had an experience that they would describe as the baptism of the Holy Spirit is wrong, is crazy, is off. I believe that God touches us all at different times in unique ways. And it is never, ever my intention to try to, like, uh, crush, destroy, uh, uh, ruin And for some of you, that may have included speaking in tongues, a a personal prayer language, or uh, something else. I don't know. but, But here's what I love from the Baptist press. You don't get a piece of spirit baptism when you get saved, and then more later. God does not baptize on an installment plan. All of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get as a believer you got when Jesus baptized you by means of the Holy Spirit into his body at your salvation. Now, that may sound a little bit off-putting because we're always crying and we'll cry tomorrow night in some of these Christian songs that we're going to play at Shavuot. Send the Spirit! More Spirit! Fill us with the Spirit! We need more! The question is not... How much of the Holy Spirit do you have? Instead, you should be asking, how much of me does the Holy Spirit have? It's qualitative, not quantitative. A newborn baby, it says, has all he needs to be an adult. He will never get new parts as he ages. He simply grows in his ability to use the parts he has. Amen, Baptist brother. That's what more of the Spirit means. More of the Spirit means more fruit. More impact. And man, as far as demonstrations of the gifts go, I think it is backwards in in many people's minds. Because the fruits, Lexi... It's just better than me reading them. <laughs> next time, next time, would you sing it again, though? Those are the fruits. Those are the evidence that the Holy Spirit is alive and in you, functioning in your life and in the life of others, and that you're walking in obedience as the Spirit leads. Then I think you're in the position to operate in the gifts. Then I think you've demonstrated that God can really use you to do and do greater things than these, which Yeshua said we could do. Whether prophecy or healing or words of wisdom. Listen, you don't, you don't just say one day, you know what, I'm going I'm to run a marathon and then do it tomorrow. There's a process. There's an investment. There's, there's something you give for all great accomplishments. There he goes again with the works-based salvation. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about, speaking of holiness movements and Pentecostalism and all that, I'm talking about sanctification. It's different. You must demonstrate a willingness to reach the goal. I think the gifts are a goal, not a starting point. Not always, but often, because certainly there are people who weren't expecting it and might not even have been really living too great of a life, and somehow God just shows up and does something miraculous. So God, let me get this out. Number one undebatable, non-debatable statement for this sermon. God can do anything he wants through anyone. Okay, got that. In a previous message, I told you that, you know, so many people place the highest value on feeling God as an experience through these spirit manifestations. Maybe, maybe, just a thought, maybe the most powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit in feeling God is choosing to live your life every single day on a hunt for fruit, producing fruit in accordance with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you something. When you meet a person who is operating in the fruit of the Spirit, you won't much care about their giftings. Because they will demonstrate to you a picture of Messiah. The authentic gifts, I think, are the products of the fruits, which, which, which ironically, super ironically that would make the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit not speaking in tongues, but Torah. That's That's neat. (laughs) That really works for us. The authentic gifts... Begin with the product of the fruits. But speaking of a gift, a gift is for someone else. How weird would it be for me to go up and hand Peggy a? Well, I don't want to do Peggy because there's a thing in Deuteronomy. You'll understand in a second. I give her a, uh, give Dave a box and big present wrapped up and say, here you go, Dave. Rip it up and put it on myself and say, looks good, doesn't it? What are you doing? See, I couldn't do that with Peggy because I'm not allowed to wear women's clothes. The point. <laughs> You don't give a a gift is for someone else. So when you're operating in the gifts of the spirit, who is the beneficiary? Not you. Well, that's not true. You are because God is using you as a part of the process in blessing someone else. And I know I think everybody in here has had the pleasure and privilege of being a part of blessing someone else. That feels great. I have seen, and sometimes I do, and not out of disrespect, but occasionally I'll watch um, things on YouTube, like just for fun. Speakers, like charismatic services and stuff. Um, I did for this because I just was interested in seeing what's out there. It's really strange how these people are elevated and what they can do and how people respond to those things like they are, you know, the Pentecostal Beatles or something. (laughs) I remember reading a story, Aaron Eby sharing a story uh, in this book about him going to an event like a revival and the guy had an Australian accent, mate, g'day. And he said, and so of course, that took the spirituality immediately to another level. Any other accent's gonna help. But he said he had one of these headphone mics on though, and as things got really going, every once in a while he'd go, and blow in the mic, and it'd make a big noise, and people in the audience would go, whoa! I've been in places where that happens. And it's so strange. That is really sort of edifying, I think, what's going on up here. And a gift is for someone else. I pray that you have the honor of experiencing at some point in your life, moving in the gifts of the spirit. But I want to tell you now it's going to be for someone else when you do. So just enjoy that. Enjoy being a partner in God's work because that's why he would give you the gifts of the Spirit, right? Also not complicated. I told you this was really simple. So one last function particular to us. I think sometimes the Spirit calls us to obedience in ways that are not the easiest things to do. Anyone ever experienced that? Everything you've ever felt led to do You said, I am in. Let's go. I love it, God. Right? Everyone in here? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because God sometimes in the Ruach HaKodesh prompts us to do difficult things. Like, for instance, and I've never done this, but I remember hearing people talk about it. I was driving down the road. I saw somebody with a flat tire. I was late to get somewhere. And I just felt it. I just had to, and so I turned around, and then some major blessing comes out of this thing. But, but you need to get where you're going, and God, that's an inconvenience. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking much bigger than that. Like the Spirit calls us to pick up our cross, like Yeshua did. Because remember what the Spirit will do. It will teach you, he says, remind you of everything I taught you. Who taught you to pick up your cross and follow after me? He did. The Spirit works. We just confirmed it. But what do I mean? Well, here's here's a good example. I believe everyone in this room is here by a move of the Spirit. Ooh. Ooh. Thank you, Dave. For many Gentiles, there can be no other explanation than that the Spirit of God brought you here. Why is that? Because it would be so much easier for you and more comfortable to be out there at the Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Catholic, whatever of the thousands of domina- denominations you could choose. Your life would be easier. I, should I tell you that? You already know that. So somehow, the leading of the Ruach HaKodesh, as you read, as you learned, as you prayed, the Ruach revealed something to you. And it's not easy being who you are, a Messianic Gentile. And now you're, but, but what's happened You've been obedient to the Spirit. And what's happened to your faith and your spiritual life? You're walking in the Spirit, as Paul would instruct you. You're learning and growing and you're new. I hear about it all the time. I'm so sick. No, I never get sick of it. I hear about transformed lives. For Gentiles who came into this thing that most people think is totally weird. And you know, for Jews, I think only the Spirit can reveal Messiah. Yeshua is such a confused concept for, for Jews for all these years of confusion. I think that only the Spirit of God can reveal the Messiah to a Jewish person. When you go down the hall and you look in our library and all the Messianic luminaries are up there, like guys from the 1800s, real Messianic luminaries, You know, they didn't go to an evangelical Billy Graham conference to get saved. You know how they found Yeshua? Usually reading the New Testament on their own in a room or through an experience where God revealed that, oh, my goodness, this is he is the Messiah. Because let me tell you something. No Sane Jew makes, no, not sane. No, no Jew who is not being led by the Spirit comes to that decision. Why? Because it would be so much easier for me to be out there in a orthodox conservative reform, whatever synagogue, just sitting there, not messing with it. But the Holy Spirit brought us all here. And guided us in this understanding. But it's not easy. So I do believe the spirit calls us sometimes to challenges that are always for your own good. Yes? Always, always. Every week, I'm convinced more and more that the spirit is, is moving in our midst. This rooms like this are always encouraging. I wish it was this way every week. It'd be amazing. It's not, but the spirit's still moving. Really, really. And why do I believe that we can and and are functioning or will function in the gifts? Because we're building a community that does the things that the Spirit of God wants us to do. Produce fruit, love, live, serve, all the good things that Messiah Yeshua taught us to do. I think we're laying a nice foundation for that. But here's where we close this thing out. Back to Azusa Street that's where we started about five weeks ago i've told you several times that i believe that there were very legitimate outpourings of god's spirit through the ages we could say revival real real though and i think 1906 on azusa street in los angeles california was one of those i do When I read 1 Corinthians 12 about each possessing unique gifts of the Spirit and them being for the common good... I get a real, real picture of a a healthy body. And I read this about Azusa Street. From the beginning, the movement was racially egalitarian. Blacks and whites worshiped together at the same altar against the normal segregation of the day. William Seymour, who was like the big guy, claimed that the Holy Spirit was bringing people together across all social lines and boundaries to the revival. He not only rejected the existing racial barriers in favor of unity in Christ, but he also rejected the then almost universal barriers to women in any service in the church. Latinos soon began attending as well after a Mexican-American worker received the Holy Spirit baptism on April 13th, 1906. What's the point? It brought people together in love, which I think the Ruach HaKodesh is real good at doing. I think it's happening here, but I, I think it happened there. But listen to this. Do you know that for a variety of reasons, they ultimately, William Seymour and others that were very influential in Azusa Street, they rejected tongues as evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The guy, William Seymour, the guy who was the one who opened up the church on Azusa Street, rejected tongues as evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in favor of what? Miracles, prophecies, words of knowledge, Listen, the doctrinal change that resulted is most critical to Pentecostal believers. Seymour, William Seymour, moved away from tongues as the initial physical evidence and began to teach that love was the first and major evidence of spirit baptism. Amen Amen is right. I agree. That's what amen means. I agree. We know That there was an authentic expression of something happening. But, But love, love, fruits of the Spirit, that was the primary evidence. This from one of the founders of Pentecostalism. I'm reminded of the book of Acts, not because of, you know, unbelievable miracles or tongues, but because of Unity. That's what Acts two was, right? They all got together for the common good, and the Ruach Hakodesh was moving, and they were adding to their numbers every day. It was a beautiful thing. And love, you know, that Yeshua and Paul say supersedes all. You hear chapter thirteen at every single wedding you've ever been, every Christian wedding, and now we're going to read from the Holy Scriptures. First Corinthians thirteen: Love is patient. Love is kind. It's smack dab in the middle of 12 and 14, which are about the gifts. What does he say as he moves into chapter 13? If I ain't got love, I'm a clanging, bonging, banging what I, not bonging, banging, banging, banging symbol. That's not legal in Georgia. We don't It's important. You can seek after every gift, but without the fruit. And I believe that the trajectory of that movement on Azusa Street, had they included the embracing of the Torah as revealed through the Spirit and Messiah, there was, there was a, a, a foundation-shaking thing that could have happened, but it did not. Because the Word of God was not really the measure of truth. It was experience. Secondly, the love of the love was abandoned for sort of a theatrical expression in, in, in many cases. The unity disintegrated, racial battles, separations, and the power of the spirit was just sort of reduced to a commodity peddled in the pulpits around the world. Not everywhere, certainly not everywhere. But I think we lost an opportunity then to harvest fruit and give gifts. But guess what? We're back. We're back. Well, I heard someone say amen, and you're right. But let me tell you where we're back. And then when I say, then you'll know when to say amen. We're back in a place of absolute disunity in the world. I mean, that, that was among the believers, and you had the modernists and the fundamentalists and all that. There was a lot of that going on. My goodness, we've come a long way in however many years that is, from 1906 to 2021. We are in desperate need of a revival across the world. Mm-hmm. Hatred, division, all, all, all of these things. And now, now, just for fun, throw Israel back in the mix. As I said at the beginning in my little tirade. We need the Spirit to do what it does. The world is in need of revival. I don't mean a tent and some heavy breathing and some, you know, preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel, if the gospel is the kingdom is among you, start acting like it. (laughs) That's a good one, and that would be a good start. But what I mean is, I mean to see the new covenant, the new covenant, Torah written on our hearts, revealed to us, given to us by Yeshua the Messiah, with a promise of a thing yet to come, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and in the meantime, the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us in all understanding. And when we do that, we will inevitably produce fruits. But here's the thing. Carl Kinbar, he's a a Messianic scholar, doctor, rabbi. He said this, and I love this. Torah cannot be fulfilled as God intends apart from the Spirit of God. And neither can we function in a healthy way, the intended way operating in the gifts, without the Spirit writing Torah on our hearts. They work together. It is no mystery that the Torah was given on six Sivan, Shavuot, and the Holy Spirit was given on six Sivan, Shavuot. They work together. They always will. There's an awakening among Israel, among the nations. Look at this room. I believe that we are positioned, have been positioned for some time, but it's just, it just happens slowly. But I don't want it to be slow. I want it to happen like Azusa Street. I don't care how it happens. God just let it happen, but let's have a mighty move of God in our midst and let that go out from here. So, when we're honest about what the Spirit is not and allow us to show for God to show us what it means for us today, not in Acts. That was then. Acts was a unique time. You can't take everything in the Bible and just iron it on to present times. Acts was unique. There were things happening there. And I'm, so, so what's it look like today? Not Acts, not Azusa Street. I don't even know what Azusa Street was, actually. I think it had great, amazing potential, and it's done some really great things. But, but I'm talking about us today functioning in the Ruach HaKodesh. So as Shavuot comes upon us tomorrow, may the grace of the Master Yeshua, the Messiah, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abound to us, right? We recall David's words. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Amen. Shabbat shalom.